on, everybody? It's your buddy. It's your pals, Pass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check. And this is WWE Last Week, your weekly look back at the week that was in the WWE. Now, a quick programming note. You guys are listening to this on Monday morning. Tune in a couple hours later. You will get what is already in the can, and that is my preview for NXT Halloween Havoc Night 1. That's already recorded. That's already in the can as I'm recording this on Friday, right after SmackDown went off the air. SmackDown went off the air in really, really good and then quickly, really, really depressing fashion. Did it not? We will get there when we get there. Monday Night Raw, however, the season premiere, and lots of good stuff, lots of stories moving forward, but holy crap was it ladies' night on Raw this week. The NXT title uh, picture, the proper Monday Night Raw Women's World Heavyweight Championship pitcher, and you know, a little bit of tag team division here and there as well. Lots and lots of ladies, Tony Khan could never. But we start off really the only way we could start off Monday Night Raw, and that's Sami Zayn responding to the news on the SmackDown season premiere that Kevin Owens had been drafted to SmackDown as the trade-off for Jey Uso coming to Raw. So he comes out in a Kevin Owens t-shirt, no less, talking about how Kevin Owens moving to SmackDown, you know, bummed him out, was really sad, he wasn't exactly happy about it, but he was excited for his friend to go kill it, uh, kill it on SmackDown, and it was a chance for him to finally stand on his own two feet on Raw. He was, you know, a heel for a while, and then he was in the bloodline, and then he was with KO winning tag team titles, and now he gets to stand on his own. Sami Zayn gets a chance to show that he is a world title lever level superstar, which immediately brings to mind the idea of Sami Zayn versus Seth Rollins, which is a tasty match that I had not thought of. If if we are to uh, believe everything that we are hearing whispered for WrestleMania, if we are getting Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns round two on one night. If we get Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn on the other night, that won't be, uh, that's not a bad trade-off, not gonna lie. Now, I am saying you need to have a prominent Rhea Ripley match on WrestleMania, and I do think it should main event one of the nights, but let's say if you flip it the other way around, if you don't want to be on last, you want to be on first. Imagine if the first match of night one is Seth Rollins versus Sami Zayn. A match that, in the not-too-recent past, uh, as far as wrestling history goes, could have been for the NXT Championship. Just saying, slowly getting back into NXT. There's another episode of uh, NXT Rewind coming up shortly. Actually, I can tell you it's going to be dropping into your feeds November 18th. It will be uh, looking at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, the first one. The uh, first time we ever went out of Full sale, but that's another story for another day. Um... Lost my lost my place already. This is going well. Um, goes on to explain that his frustration lies in the fact that Jay being here is awesome. He wants to be happy for his friend. He wants to see his friend flourish away from his toxic family and the bloodline and all the nonsense on SmackDown. But because Jay's here, Kevin Owens cannot be. We had to fend off the Judgment Day, and then now they've got a title shot tonight. It's been the best year of my career. He thanks the fans, and then he's cut off by the Judgment Day. Judgment Day should be kicking off the season premiere, they say. Poor little Sammy is all alone. KO is gone. Now we're coming for you. Now we're coming for Jay. Now we're coming for Cody. Tonight, Rhea Ripley puts her division on notice, and we get the tag team championships back. <coughs> Sorry. Rhea Ripley, at one point, makes a point of saying, there was a time where we would have picked up lost little souls like you, which is... Which is great, because it's true. They pursued Dominic Mysterio with their recruiting for a while. They pursued Jey Uso a little bit. They tried to get... Who was it? They tried to get AJ Styles at one point. They tried to get Riddle at one point. So that's not just a throwaway line to make fun of Sami Zayn. That is something they really, really did. Um, as I say, they set their stall out for the evening. Rhea's going to tell her division, what's up, we're going to get our tag team titles back, and we're going to deal with you right now. Even though there's four of them, they only surround three sides of the ring so that Jey Uso can come in on the fourth side of the ring with a couple of chairs, and Sammy and Jay with chairs are enough to chase away four other people, even though it's four on two, which isn't the greatest, but I mean, the heels have to remind you they're heels at some point, because Judgment Day is... Judgment Day is the most popular thing right now. The bloodline is kind of falling apart, and it's what's left of... The story right now with the bloodline is what are the broken pieces of the bloodline going to do? There is no singular 
unit as interesting as the Judgment Day right now, and you can fight me on that if you want to. You'll be talking to a wall. Um, whether Finn and Damien are going to fall apart, whether they're finally going to accept J.D. McDonough, Rhea Ripley being the most dominant thing in WWE's women's division across all three shows. Uh, yes, I know, shortly that's going to be challenged by Jade Cargill. Fine. Whatever. Babyfaces stand tall to open up the show, and then we go very quickly into one of the most highly advertised matches of the evening, which is Ricochet versus Nakamura Falls Count Anywhere. But before we get to that, we flash to the back. Um, you know, Sami Zayn and Jey Uso. Sami's appreciative of what Jey Uso just did for him, but hey, you know, things aren't right. It should be my buddy KO, you know, uh, coming out to make a save for me like that. You, Jay, you gotta understand, I'm kind of frustrated right now. You being here means my friend's not here. I got nobody. Jay kind of telling him, hey, you don't have nobody. You got me. I still got your back. And then they do sort of a we're not okay and we are okay thing. And it's all it's all good. The, the story... It's not the main portion, or it's not the main plot of the bloodline, but the sub-story of the relationship between Jey Uso and Sami Zayn is pretty good, and they and they maintain the integrity of it quite well. They wouldn't be, like, absolutely bosom buddy friends right now because of the Kevin Owens thing, but they can't leave each other alone either because they both suffered under Roman Reigns, and that brings people together, and that's really cool. Like, you know... They're like brothers, you know, they're, they're always going to love each other, but they don't always have to like each other. That kind of thing. Sorry. Ricochet versus Nakamura, false count anywhere. They've done something weird with Nakamura's lighting. It's cool, it's a little bit different. Um, Ricochet's kind of fighting angry. He's kind of fighting like a dick. He starts off with a couple of... If you can call them cheap shots by a babyface on a heel, he starts off with a couple of cheap shots. They do brawl into the crowd. Pretty predictably, they spend about five seconds brawling in Gorilla. The high point of this match was obviously Ricochet going into the arena entranceway and hitting a shooting star press out of the crowd, which was absolutely ridiculous, onto Nakamura and a bunch of the security guards. Nakamura comes back to the ring and they do nunchuck stuff. Nakamura hits the GTS and commentary remarks that it's close to bedtime for Ricochet. Almost like he's telling him to go to sleep. Survivor Series is in Chicago, by the way. Now, the whole Survivor Series is in Chicago is offset by new rumors that uh, CM Punk might go to Impact. And here's the thing, I don't want to say anything bad about Impact. Impact is tied, talent-wise, very closely to Destiny Wrestling. Check it off your Spice Phoenix bucket list, it's fine. So I have, no I have nothing but respect for Impact and the staying power that that brand has, but... If CM Punk shows up on Impact, I'll eat my hat. And for those of you that don't know, because this is an audio platform, I'm not wearing a hat right now. Anyways, that's all I'm going to say about that. The teasing of, of CM Punk means that the news stories that are coming out that WWE is definitely not interested in CM Punk is one of those uh, they doth protest too much type of situations. Ricochet gets knocked off the top rope through a table trying to do something, and Nakamura kind of has a laugh about that, and hits him with a Kinshasa on the floor, and gets the win. Very, very anticlimactic finale, if I'm not, if I'm going to be completely honest, but, you know, what these guys tried to do, the Ricoch the whole match was set up for, so that Ricochet could have that archway spot. Let's be real, and Ricochet's awesome, and I would love to see, on whatever B pay-per-view, I know they're doing... Elimination Chamber in Australia. That's not going to be a B pay-per-view. That's going to be a huge deal. But if they are doing anything else between Survivor Series and WrestleMania, I would love to have sort of a B pay-per-view title defense for Seth Rollins against Ricochet. Make it at a pay-per-view where Seth Rollins' title defense is not the main event because as much as it as much as I want to see the match, Seth Rollins versus Ricochet ain't main eventing a pay-per-view. It's just not. Which is unfortunate. And I and I say that with sort of a sad heart because I wish WWE would consistently push Ricochet so that we could believe it enough so that he could. Remember Ricochet went into one of the Saudi shows against Brock Lesnar saying, why not me, and then got killed in less than a minute. So we need to work on that. Um... Tegan Knox, Katana Chance, Caden Carter, Nikki Cross, all hanging out in the back. Chelsea comes to them to brag that Piper Nevin is going to beat up Natalia tonight. And they all kind of, they don't even get mad. They just kind of look at her and it's like, why don't you just go away? Which is great. 
which is wonderful. And it leads into Piper Niven with Chelsea in her corner taking on Natalia. And I don't know what to say. I don't know what embellishment to put on this. This was kind of a weird... It was a weird nothing match that felt like it went for a long time. Piper Niven gets the win, obviously, because she's a champion. And because Natalia never wins. <laughs> let's be real. Let's be real for a second. Uh, Piper Niven's awesome. Uh, I liked her more in NXT UK when they let her be a little bit more aggressive and she wasn't just being a bodyguard for somebody else, and I hope that happens sooner rather than later. There's a monster bash of powerful women happening in a different part of the division right now, and I kind of wish Piper Niven wasn't sucked into this Chelsea Green thing so she could be part of that, because I think she could be an integral part. But we can't always get what we want. Piper Niven gets the win, which makes sense. She's a title holder. Uh, when we get to SmackDown, we're, we'll, we will get to who might be their next contenders, and I'm going to have a lot of fun with it, especially because Halloween is right around the corner, but I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. Seth Rollins comes out, and he looks like he's wearing half a dress, which is fine. I'm not making fun of it. It's Seth Rollins. He dresses like a weirdo. He's got glasses like a robot, which is fine. He addresses Drew McIntyre, his new challenger. Uh, he brings up the whole Drew McIntyre is a bad guy because he doesn't help people thing, which I've, I've said to you guys for multiple weeks now. It doesn't play as a bad guy thing to not come down and help people with issues that are not your business. Now, eventually, the other things, the Jey Uso stuff, the being screwed over, etc., that's going to piss him off and make him lash out on somebody, that's going to be a heel thing. The, hey, for no particular reason, I expected you to come and help me when I was getting my ass kicked by so-and-so, it doesn't work as a heel turn thing. I mentioned that he said, oh, you want to play the hero now because you stopped uh, Damian Priest from cashing in on me. And again, Drew McIntyre's like, no, I'm not playing a hero, I'm protecting my own investment, which absolutely makes sense. Drew McIntyre does come down, he says, I'm not going to just sit here and babysit you for the next couple of weeks, and uh, Rollins hints at what we hinted at last week on this show, the footage of Drew McIntyre talking to Rhea Ripley and insinuating that he might have gone to the Judgment Day for help, and Drew responds by saying he's not a thirsty creep like Jey Uso. Um... Rollins tells him he's starting to lose it, all his failures are catching up with him, you need to get over the bloodline shit, it's nobody's fault that you held the title while nobody was watching. And I will say this again. I will say this again. Yes, I personally believe there are lots of people that help, helped us through the COVID era. Drew McIntyre was one of them. Bailey, Asuka, over on the other side, uh, people like John Moxley, etc., that deserve credit. Outside of the storylines, in real life, those people deserve the credit for, you know, holding things together and whatever. In the storyline, stop using COVID as a storyline. There's something, and I'm not going to touch on it again because I already did a huge rant on it. The other company is using a whole lot of real life stuff that real people have suffered through to push a storyline, and I think it's disgusting, especially considering the political climate of the day. This is not quite as egregious as that, but this is still, and I'm just going to say this from a personal level, and I'm not saying that I'm above or below anybody else. Uh, we all sat through COVID the same way. None of us were exempt from, you know, the effects of COVID, the effects of lockdown, the effects of losing people, the effects of losing jobs, etc. Stop putting COVID in storylines. I stopped watching television shows that incorporated COVID into their storylines because TV is supposed to be an escape. Don't do it in WWE and the other stuff in AEW. I'm a big MJF fan, but but this ain't it. Um, just stop doing it. I'm very I'm very much looking forward to Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins. I'm very much looking forward to when Drew McIntyre actually sinks his teeth into this heel turn. I don't know that he's going to win. Rollins is going to lose it to somebody soon, I think. Um, but yeah, the COVID it's it's not it. It's not, and I'm not as wildly infuriated by it as I was uh, with AEW and the other thing that they're using, because I think it's much more disgusting, to be perfectly honest with you. But this is still not great. Absolutely not. We see video footage of Logan Paul after his boxing match. I don't know anything about boxing. I don't know anything about the guy that he fought. Apparently the guy that he fought was like 
trying to fuck with his girlfriend or something. I don't know. But he beat the guy. Apparently the match was a joke. And after the match, he got on the match. Uh, sorry, he got on the mic in the boxing ring and said, I've got my eyes set on Rey Mysterio in the United States Championship in WWE. Sure. And then they showed a clip of Ray on some radio show. I think it was Sam Roberts. I could be wrong. He said, ah, well, well, I guess we'll have to address that on SmackDown. Um, Gargano versus Ludwig Kaiser with Giovanni Vinci in his corner. This is, again, this is not great. You finally put DIY back in the ring together. And you know what we haven't done since you put DIY back in the ring together? You haven't put DIY in the ring together. So there we go. Um... Gargano starts off quick with a suicide dive. There's stiff kicks on both sides and a toss-out by Kaiser. Octopus stretch in the ropes by Gargano, and he eats the guardrail hard when they brawl to the outside. And because it's Gargano, and because I love it, he does hit the slingshot spear. He does the trapped head super kick and the top rope roll-up powerbomb thing. He hits Tommaso Ciampa's Willow's Bell. He hits one final beat. Um, Vinci pokes him in the eye, and a DDT by Kaiser gets the win. Um... I don't know, Willow's Bell, one final beat. We, we, we're leading to DIY stuff, and that's fine, and I can be excited about that, but if you're if you're doing a slow burn, don't do a slow burn with the two members of Imperium that aren't Walter, because they're not exciting on their own. They're just not. Becky Lynch is backstage, and Indy Hartwell, who confronted her several weeks ago on NXT, still wants her shot at the NXT Women's Championship, and Becky kind of shrugs her off and says, yeah, okay, cool, I'll see what I can do. And as she walks away, she has a face-to-face, champ-to-champ moment with Rhea Ripley, which is going to be fucking money when it happens. We get a very passive-aggressive conversation in the back between Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn. Drew McIntyre starts by talking about how proud he is of Sami Zayn, how far he's come, and how... Uh, He's gotten himself away from the bloodline, and, you know, Sammy says, thank you. He says, hey, but you didn't let me finish. You know, you're still kind of an idiot. I don't believe you, you're, you've been so accepting of Jey Uso. Don't you know how many people he's fucked over, etc., etc.? Um, you know, maybe you need to join a new faction, too. Maybe you need backup. And Sammy challenges him to a match next week, which will be good. Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler. Personally... The match that I was looking most forward to in this entire night when you saw the all the matches lined up. I mean, I knew Ricochet Nakamura Falls Count Enter would be fun. This is the match. This is the match. Five years ago, on the on that December 18th episode of NXT that I always talk about, you know, you talk about the night we beat Dynamite. This was the main event. Now that this wasn't gonna be as good because that was so organic and full sale was so full of people that wanted to enjoy it. I've said this a lot. If you guys haven't listened to my NXT last week, or sorry, NXT uh, Rewind series, uh, the one thing I said about all the takeovers that we've done so far before Brooklyn is they all took place in Full Sail. And the Full Sail audience, while A, they were kind of a cult following, and B, the difference between them and now is now you have um, an arena full of critics. Here you had a stage... Uh, a soundstage, sorry, full of people that really just wanted to love everything that they were seeing. And there is a difference. I'm not saying you can't be a critic. I'm saying it makes for a different audience. And the night that Rhea Ripley beat Shayna Baszler for that NXT championship and the ring flooded and everybody lost their shit was awesome. And I want to see this match on a bigger stage for that exact reason. But this is, this is, the other part of it is, in recent times, this is too... This is one half story of a four-way match that I was expecting for Crown Jewel. We saw last week, we saw Nia Jax and Raquel, which are the other two in the equation, I guess. But these are the ones that I really want to see. So, obviously, this was the match I was looking forward to. You know, Rhea Ripley gets on the microphone really quickly. Everybody wants a piece of Monday Night Mommy. Nia came back. Raquel wants another shot at me. Now Shayna Baszler wants a shot, but I will always be on top. This is a non-title match, by the way. They hyped it up as, you know, this is Shayna Baszler trying to get a shot at the championship. And uh, I know people don't like the cliche of, you know, if you beat the champion, you might get a shot at the title, but that's the most logical thing in wrestling. Um, really cool story, just like it was five years ago. Rhea has the power, Shayna has the more technical, like, dissection type of style. Arm drag driver by Shayna always looks good, and Ripley took it right on the face. Dirty knee strikes by Shayna. We get a really cool sequence where the Riptide gets countered into an armbar, and the armbar gets countered into a one-armed powerbomb. Raquel and Jax, unfortunately, come down to ringside. They start to brawl. But the surprising thing about this, and the thing that I kind of love about all this, is while they're brawling, 
Zoe Stark joins in the brawl on the outside for reasons. Uh, Raquel boots Jax on the outside and then it gets reversed and she eats the steps hard. In the ring, Rhea and Shayna are still having a match. Rhea uses Zoe Stark as a weapon against Shayna because Zoe Stark is so small. Um, Rhea and Jax brawl a little bit in the ring. Starks takes advantage and boots them all out of the ring. The match is thrown out, it should go without saying. And while all these monsters are fighting each other, it's Zoe Stark that stands tall. And I think as something that I wasn't expecting as I was looking at it, predicting, okay, we got a pay-per-view coming up. This is probably going to be like a monster mash, fatal four-way type thing. The one thing I was not expecting was them to throw Zoe Stark in the mix because Zoe Stark's awesome. She's coming off of that weird partnership that she had with Trish Stratus, so she's got to find something new to do. She's got to find something new to get herself back on the map again. I was not expecting this. I like this a lot. Not saying that I want Zoe Stark to walk into the ring next week and beat Rhea Ripley for the championship or anything. It's not, it's not go crazy. But she is now the pit bull in that fight pit. <laughs> ah, that was a really shitty pun. In the back, we see Adam Pearce and Becky Lynch confirming that Indy Hartwell is going to get her shot at the NXT Women's Championship next week on Raw, where Zia Lee once again pops up out of nowhere and says, where's my title shot? And fucks off. And then Becky Lynch, as she's about to leave, they do another face-to-face, -face, and it's her face-to-face -face with Jade Cargill. And she just looks at the title and says, hmm, nice title. Becky Lynch stares her straight in the face and says, get in line. Love it absolutely love it. She has now stared down Charlotte on SmackDown. She has now stared down, I don't know who else. Um, you know, she's met with all the bigwigs. I'm sure she'll stare down Rhea Ripley at some point. I'm sure she'll stare down the SmackDown champion Io Sky at some point. But everybody is sort of treating her with this ooh and ah and whatever. And for Becky Lynch to just side-eye her and tell her, tell her to get in line was good. It was good. And that's not a dig at Jade Cargill. But, like, if Jade Cargill just walks in and everybody, you know, kowtows and shakes her hand, which they have been doing, they've been treating her like a big deal, which is awesome. Don't get me wrong. The way they are presenting her, my opinion of Jade Cargill aside, the way they are presenting her before she's even taken one step into that ring, before she's even taken one step into an arena, is fucking wonderful. Absolutely fucking wonderful. But for somebody to come along, and for it to be Becky Lynch, because Becky Lynch can make it work to just say, yeah, welcome to the show, get in line. You know, she's the one that can literally do the welcome to the big time speech. And, and it'll work, and it won't come off as being, like, super derogatory, which is also good. Um, we're setting up a lot of things that I want to see. We want to see Jade Cargill versus Charlotte. We want to see Jade Cargill versus Becky. We want to see Becky versus Rhea Ripley. I'm sure the insinuation of Rhea Ripley versus Jade Cargill is not that far away. Jade Cargill taking on all the members of Damage Control. Jade Cargill might be slipping down to NXT to, you know, fuck some shit up. I'm just saying I might have touched on that in the Halloween Havoc preview. You're going to go have to listen to the Halloween Havoc preview. Gunther versus Bronson Reed. To quote Big E, and to quote Simon Miller, who loves to quote Big E, big men slapping man meat. I don't have many notes on this match. It was a match full of big bombs. It was amazing to see Gunther take the avalanche. It was amazing to see Reed get manhandled so technically, if I can put those two terms together. Uh, the apron backdrop by Reed into a splash was awesome. The fact that he managed to do a, almost a Randy Orton-style snap slam on somebody like Gunther was awesome. Top rope superplex by Reed, but a powerbomb by Gunther gets the win for Gunther. I want to see Bronson Reed pick up a singles title soon. If it's a case of he's the next one to get drafted to SmackDown, and he's the one that squashes Rey Mysterio for the title, cool, fine, whatever. Um, Miz gets interviewed backstage and he's mad because he wasn't the first person on the show tonight. It's the season premiere. I'm the superstar. I'm the biggest star in the company. Roddy, Roddy, Raw. And his promo time is taken up by Nia Jax, who takes up the entire camera to say that she's going to keep squishing people, which is nice. And then we get back to the Miz interview where the Miz interviewer, which I think was Jackie Redmond, says, yeah, sorry, we got to get back to the ring. 
But we don't get back to the ring. We go back to Adam Pierce's office where he announces that there will indeed be a fatal five-way at Crown Jewel for the World Women's Championship. And it's going to be Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler, Raquel Rodriguez, Nia Jax, and Zoe Starks. And this is becoming cliche. And I... I both love and hate that it's becoming a cliché because when it's a cliché, people just laugh at it. But it's becoming a cliché because it is actually true. WWE books more women on their Saudi shows, on their international shows in Saudi Arabia that, you know, get labeled as bad, get labeled as propaganda, get labeled as sports washing. Those shows, those bad shows, those shows that aren't supposed to exist, still have more female representation than an episode of AEW Dynamite does here in North America. And that is a legitimate concern. And if you think that's just me harping on Tony Khan, I'm going to do the, 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 the Bobby Fish thing. Folks, show me the lie. Where's the lie? Where is the lie? Before the segment is over, though, the next people that walk into Adam Pierce's office are Jinder Mahal and Sangha and Veer Mahan. So apparently we're trying with them again. I have no idea. I got nothing. I've got nothing. The main event is Jay and Cody defending the Tag Team Championships against Judgment Day because reasons. Uh, I really want to see a feud between Cody and Finn, and I really want to see a feud between Priest and Jay. I think we're getting Priest and Jay uh, next week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they did mention once uh, on commentary a couple weeks ago that Cody and Finn at different times had both been members of the Bullet Club, and then the internet proceeded to roast them because, oh, that's not the right Bullet Club, that's not the real Bullet Club. These are the people that are always on... WWE for not referencing anything outside the WWE bubble, and you wonder why they don't do it, because when they do do it, you don't give them the credit for doing it, and you still pretend that they don't do it, so why would they do it? That's all I'm going to say. Dominic being a big pest on the outside, teamwork by the champs in the early going, cat and mouse game from Dom, uh, keeps the team split up, and that leads into a trap on the floor where Finn hits this cool leaping forearm-looking thing. Balor, to his credit, kicks out of the weird Co-D-1-D thing. They manage to pull it off without Cody spiking himself on his own head, which is nice. Dominic tosses Jay off of the top turnbuckle at one point. Sammy comes out to take out Dom on the outside, and he himself is taken out by Priest with a low blow and a power... Sorry, low blow and a power bomb through the table by Priest on Cody. Jay is fighting alone. He hits a on Finn. He hits a spear on Priest. It looks like he's going to retain the Tag Team Championships by himself when he walks along the ring apron to eat a super kick of all super kicks by a guy dressed all in black. And who is it? Oh, one, two, three. Three guesses. The first two don't count. It's Jimmy Uso. Coup de gras by Balor and Judgment Day are once again the Tag Champs. Now, I walked out of this show thinking, is this Jimmy redeeming himself to the bloodline or is this just, you know, Rhea Ripley phoning a friend? Because that's her thing recently when they show the Judgment Day in the back and it's all real. Where have you been? Ah, I've been making some phone calls. So, is it him redeeming himself to the bloodline? Is it the bloodline getting him to go do some dirty work for them for the Judgment Day because they have that arrangement going on? I don't know, but it's really, really fun. And the criticism immediately was, now that there's two Raw and, sorry, a Raw and a SmackDown GM, why can anybody just go to any show? I hope they, I hope they address this. I hope they don't just sweep this under the rug, because if they don't address this, then there's no point in having two shows and two GMs. So will they address it on SmackDown? Will they address it on SmackDown? Gee, I wonder. So let's switch gears over to SmackDown. We'll talk about SmackDown, and my notes for SmackDown are relatively brief, because SmackDown is a relatively brief show. We don't have any Roman Reigns this week. We do have Paul Heyman starting off the show, just doing some bragging on the bloodlines. He brags about uh, Jimmy's successful run-in on Raw, the fact that Jimmy, or sorry, that Jay and Cody are no longer the tag team champions, and he breaks the news that he can't really break because it's already broken and it was already announced if you watch any what culture uh, stuff like I do I listen to what culture a lot at work gets me through the day let's be real but Heyman is breaking WWE's news which actually broke on L on uh, on the LA Times 
I guess, that Roman Reigns will be defending his undisputed whatever Universal Galactic Championship at Crown Jewel against LA Knight, yeah, and it's fine. I think it's funny that it's LA Knight and they broke it with the LA Times, that's a cute little thing. LA Knight came out, told him to stop making noise, calls out Roman Reigns, who's clearly not there, calls himself the, uh, sorry, tells Paul Heyman to tell Roman Reigns that he's going to come at him like Michael Myers, he's never going to die, he's going to keep coming back. I like the Halloween references, because I'm that kind of guy, it's good, he keeps coming back. He calls for a contract signing next week, and he says to tell, he doesn't even really call for, like, he didn't even do the, with everybody saying LA, like, he didn't direct the crowd like he usually does, he just said to Paul Heyman, tell Roman Reigns whose game it is, and then the, the crowd just did the LA night thing without having to be grandiosely conducted, and I thought that was cool. It's, it's, it's still conducting, don't get me wrong, but it's not conducting in the overt, you know, point out each syllable way, so I thought it was kind of cool. Very, very brief, nice interaction between the two of them. He actually got Paul Heyman to do the yeah, and then told him he was pathetic, which was fun. That's what Paul Heyman's good for. Let's be, he said he was going to knock the black back out of his hair so he could go back to gray. That was fantastic. Paul Heyman is an invaluable asset to WWE. I hope if all the bloodline walked out tomorrow, if all the bloodline walked out tomorrow, I, I hope they keep Paul Heyman just for something. I ran an idea by a couple people the other day, and I want to know what you guys think about this. So Jimmy Uso right now is going crazy pretending that he, everything's totally fine with the bloodline with him and Roman and Solo. If he finally tells the bloodline to fuck off and goes independent, goes over to Raw to join with Jay or whatever, and it's just Solo and Roman left, and they somehow find a way to do it where Roman Reigns blames the... Uh, blames the Usos leaving on Paul Heyman, so he kicks Paul Heyman out of the family, and then the bloodline is just Roman and Solo. If Paul Heyman came back at Roman and Solo with a tag team of Brock Lesnar and Braun Breaker, I think that would probably be the most wild and at the same time most predictable thing ever, because the, the long-standing history with Brock Lesnar, obviously, but him randomly managing... Uh, Braun Breaker and calling him a future WrestleMania main eventer on NXT could lead to something and can you imagine for anybody that's watching NXT it has seen Braun Breaker in the past little while I know that's not everybody but I mean it was a hell of a lot of people last Tuesday more than NXT we don't need to go there it's or more than AEW it's fine but Braun Breaker and Brock Lesnar as a tag team taking on Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns is a wild idea, and I really like it. Let me know what you guys think down in the box below, or hit me up on X at Spaz Phoenix. First match of the night is Montez Ford versus Santos Escobar, following on from, I don't know, the Suit Profits, what are we calling Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits, their beatdown on, uh, on Carlito last week, so Wild and Mendoza and Lashley and Dawkins are all at ringside. You can imagine this is a pretty fast-paced, uh, it's a pretty fast-paced affair with Montez Ford and Santos Escobar. Montez Ford is going out of his way to be less high-flying, more hard-hitting, more heel-ish, I guess. He's almost got this, like, crazy, intense, desperateness to the way he was doing things. Like, really, really wide-eyed, you know, something behind all of his punches, trying to obviously impress Bobby Lashley, which is good. I don't know how good it is to make him seem desperate. Maybe that's something that not everybody picked up on. Santos Escobar, halfway through the match, finally rallies. Hits this amazing suicide dive. He's, he kind of does the, the bow and arrow hand motion the way Damian Priest used to when Damian Priest was doing the whole Archer of Infamy thing. He do, So he does the the bow and arrow thing before he does the suicide dive, and the suicide dive is fucking sweet, let's be real for a second. And then he goes into this sequence where he goes from a rising knee to an insiguri to a top rope super rana all at once. Uh, Dawkins hits him with a cheap shot on the outside, everybody brawls, there's a roll up with the tights for Montez Ford to get the win, post-match beatdown is broken up by Carlito, LWO stand tall, but they also stand tall being really pissed off. I don't... I don't know what I'm supposed to do with any... I really like the LWO, and this whole Bobby Lashley uh, Street Profits thing ain't working for me. Let me be clear. It's not working for me because I like the Street Profits. 
specifically Montez Ford. Montez Ford is going to be a single star one day. I think when the Street Profits break up, you're going to have another Wesley situation. Wesley lost his partner for different reasons, because what's-his-name got me tooed into oblivion. Um, but he's doing good things on Impact, and he's going to be on Bound for... Or he, by the time you guys are hearing this, he will have been on Bound for Glory with Trey Miguel. So, you know, not every story has a sad ending. Um... Montez Ford, as a babyface single star, is going to be fucking huge. The reason I don't like this is because it's not working for any of them. And Bobby Lashley ain't wrestling. Is there anything wrong with Bobby Lashley? Somebody, if you've heard any dirt, if you've heard any scuttlebutt, like I say, throw it down in the box below or hit me up on X. Bring me into the loop because I really don't know. Coming back from commercial break, all the LWO are sort of nursing their wounds and then Rey Mysterio kind of comes in and checks on them and then fucks off again because he's got Logan Paul stuff to deal with. And it's kind of understandable, but at the same time, Santos is kind of giving him the side eye of, like, don't you uh, want to hang around and make sure we're okay? I don't want them to break up the LWO, but they are going to. Um, Pretty Deadly are on my screen, which is unfortunate. They're at a spa celebrating the fact that they returned to the ring last week, and the Brawling Brutes show up at the spa and put them face first in their own foot baths. This was bad. This this wasn't it at all. Uh, the Brawling Brutes are doing more convincing shit with their little stint in NXT right now than they are on the main roster, and that's a real bummer. It's a real, real bummer. John Cena comes out. Says, uh, he talked about Roman Reigns' streak last week, whatever, thousand days as champion. It's something to be marveled at. It's something to be respected, etc. He says, I'm on my own streak as well. It's been 2,002 days since I won a singles match. I haven't won a singles match since 2018, and he hints at retirement. I don't know why he did the hinting at retirement thing, because it didn't fit with the rest of the speech. It's been a long time since I had a win. i got to look deep inside myself, but I need to convince myself that I can still go. Damn it. It's time to turn the math around. It's time to stand here in this ring and, and get more action, and the next person that comes out of that curtain, it's going to be a bad day for them. Solo Skoa comes out. There's no referee. It's not a match. He's not going to change the math around because he's not going to get a pin because there's no referee. They throw a few punches at each other. Jimmy jumps in. Somebody jumps Jimmy from the back, dressed all in black. And I'll give you three guesses as to who it was, and the first two don't count. It was Jey Uso who gets counted, uh, taken away by security. Um, Solo Sokoa misses the spike, eats an AA, and... John Cena poses in the middle of the ring like that's a win. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know what they did here. I think that this, this segment existed for Jey Uso to interrupt it so that we could have what we have later on. We see a video package of Eladon and Alba Fire casting spells, etc., and, you know, telling Chelsea and Piper that they shouldn't play around with cursed things and we're coming for those titles, etc., I think this has to do with the fact that randomly Chelsea Green said that the belts were cursed and they wouldn't be cursed anymore if they were on nice Italian leather straps. Don't know. It's uh, it's sort of a whatever-it-takes-to-get-there thing, but I'm not going to lie. Eladon, Alba Fire taking on Chelsea Green and Piper Niven is a really weird match that I'd like to have a look at. And Alba Fire and Eladon are an actual tag team. And if nothing else, even if we keep treating the belts like a joke, I would at least like to see those belts on a team that's an actual team. Not Chelsea Green, who lost her partner to injury and had somebody else come along and snag one of the belts and say, hey, you're my partner now. Because, on the other side of the coin, as I've said before, and as I'll probably continue to say, Piper Niven should be doing something bigger than this. Piper Niven should be in that schmoz at Crown Jewel and make it a six-woman tag. Six-pack women's... Women's six-pack challenge. There we go. Words all in all in a row, the way they're supposed to. I think they call that a sentence. In the back, we have a really cool thing, and we set we set a bit of a standard here, because we have Jey Uso with the security, being spoken to by Nick Aldis, the new GM of SmackDown, telling him you're going to be get this fifty thousand dollar fine or whatever. Adam Pierce is also there. Adam Pierce is almost acting like Jey Uso's representative, which is kind of cool, because his response was like, oh, well, if that's what's going to happen, are you going to throw a fine on Jimmy for go coming over to our show and messing up our main event, messing up our tag team title scene on Raw? And uh, he tries to have Jey ejected by security, Adam Pierce is like, 
come on, he's going to leave. Do you really need the security and all that? And he says, okay, no, I stand corrected. Security, can you take Jay and Mr. Pierce out? And he says, oh, it's going to be like that. Eh? And you get this weird stare, and I, they're not in-ring competitors, but this weird stare down between Nick Aldis and uh, and Adam Pierce, and it's just like, all right, game on. And I'm like, yes, yes. As petty as it is, as silly it is, as it is, and as much as it makes absolutely no sense, and as much as they, you, we don't really want brand versus brand at Survivor Series because it's lame. Please, please, let's have at least the illusion of some Raw versus SmackDown rivalry, camaraderie, whatever. Not in the sense of, okay, we're going to have red, red t-shirts and blue t-shirts, but have it that every once in a while, the whatever champion, like Rhea Ripley, would have one eye on what EO Sky is doing on SmackDown, and like whatever Rhea Ripley's doing tonight, she's going to smash it twice as hard as EO did on SmackDown to show that she's the better champion. Have some competition. We have doubles of every belt, except for the tag titles, which is fine. But Rey Mysterio, or sorry, Gunther, I guess, should be going out every night on Raw to show he's a better mid-card champion than Rey Mysterio. Rhea Ripley should be going out on Raw trying to show that she's a better women's champion than um, than Io Sky. Seth Rollins, with the creation of the world title, already kind of set his stall out as I'm going to be the fighting champion aka you know in brackets meaning not like Roman Reigns so please if it's gonna be if it's gonna be spearheaded by Adam Pearce and Nick Aldis please let's have some brand supremacy please let's have some internal competition and please let's set some stand like still do the stuff because they're human beings that have bodily autonomy somebody can show up on the wrong show don't have a thing where well, we're never going to write a story that you know somebody shows up on, the, on another person's show no have them show up on the other show and have there be consequences that's a better way to tell the story i liked all of this this was a backstage segment between fake authority figures and it got me excited it got the wheels turning it got me into all kinds of stuff you know what else kind of got me excited it got a big smile on my face and i just thought oh a it must be another saudi arabia show but b this is going to be a lot of fun as well logan paul comes out and he brags about boxing stuff which i don't understand because like i said i don't watch boxing he talked about how the boxing match wasn't really a match and if he wanted real competition he just could have come back for another wwe match so there you go Wrestling greater than boxing. Gotta love it. I don't know how... If you stand in a wrestling ring and say that wrestling is better than boxing, isn't that a babyface move? Kind of. Because you're in front of a wrestling crowd and you're putting over their form of... I don't know. He says it's been a while, but Ray, Ray and I actually have fought before. Last time Ray and I fought, Dominic was still his son. <laughs> Last time Ray and I fought, Roman Reigns still showed up to wrestle. Last time I fought Ray, L.A. Knight didn't even have a job. There we go. So there's three rivalries right there. He's going to face Ray. He's going to face Roman again. And at some point, he's going to face L.A. Knight. Yeah. If we go the route of Logan Paul beats Rey Mysterio, holds the title obnoxiously for a month or two, and then he drops the title to L.A. Knight, that'll be fucking fantastic. Ray, you've got a couple of things that I don't have. You've got everybody's respect. I don't need everybody's respect. You've got your own legacy. I'm making my own legacy. You have the WWE US title. I need that title. Ray basically comes out, tells him he's you're you're a brat just like my son, accepts the challenge, accepts the challenge for Crown Jewel, and it's pretty much set. Now, Logan Paul is set to be on Raw next week. So I don't know whether he's a specifically SmackDown superstar. Is he breaking? Is he gonna pay the fine to Adam Pierce? I don't, I don't know. But I don't. I don't. Further away from that, I don't know what he's doing on Raw. If what he's doing is a match with Ray for a SmackDown title, but it is what it is. It didn't do anything. There wasn't any attack. There wasn't any anything. He just did it. And Rey Mysterio came out in that weird like luchador mask that actually looks more like a mask mask and he kind of looked like batman which is fine we get a video highlight reel on charlotte flair which i'm sure wound up all the right people um austin theory and grayson waller took on dragon lee and cameron grimes for reasons and the tag team that's an actual tag team got the win grimes is fine grimes is 
fun, he's there to make up the numbers, kind of. And Dragon Lee is awesome to watch. I don't know why. They do keep implying that he's sort of tied into the LWO, but then he he's not tied in at other times. I don't really know. If they want to introduce him as part of the LWO, that's a cool little launching pad. If they want to keep him as a, more of a single star, more of a see where he stands on his own two feet, I'm okay with that as well. But sort of give us an indicator one way or the other. Kevin Owens sits down for a brief interview. I don't remember who did it. It wasn't Jackie Redmond, and I can't remember the other chick's name at the moment, because I'm a terrible person. Basically, he he mirrors what Sami Zayn said about the movie. He says, I'm not exactly happy about the trade, but I'm trying to look at it as a clean slate. You know, there's people here that I know. There's people here that I don't know. We all know I've got history with the bloodline, so I hope they know better than to get in my way. But there's also people here that I really respect, and I need to have singles matches with before I end my career. And he name drops Rey Mysterio and Sheamus. Sheamus we haven't seen since the Edge match, I think. So I don't know what's up with that. His his boys are fighting on SmackDown and on NXT, and I don't know where he is. That's kind of a bummer. So it was a nice little... It was moderately positive for what you consider KO as being, like, the frustrated guy that, you know, he does the Austin thing of arrive, stun somebody, leave. Um, so mildly positive. Um, your main event is Charlotte Flair versus EO Sky with damage control in her corner for the WWE Women's Championship, and everybody cries and moans and bitches and kvetches that Charlotte Flair has another title shot, but she doesn't win, and she keeps putting all your favorites over, so fuck off. Um, a lot of Eosky bailing to the outside for safety, cheap shots from, or sorry, Eosky bailing to the outside to damage control for safety, and then cheap shots by Bailey grabbing the feet, etc. Charlotte does her rolling headlock thing that I more associate with her doing in NXT, where she basically has somebody in a figure four headlock and then somersaults through it, dragging them by their head. Uh, I really like it. I think she should use it more often, actually. Um, she goes to... Sorry. Eosky goes for a head scissor on the outside. She counters it into a powerbomb position and then drops her backwards, face first, onto the apron. Um, sunset flip... Uh, sunset flip powerbomb off the top rope by Eosky. Second rope Samoan drop by Charlotte for reasons, and then for more reasons, she uses a Boston Crab. Um, spear by Charlotte, and the pin is broken up by... Bailey, Charlotte goes to the outside and fucks Bailey up something fierce, which is nice. Uh, meanwhile, Dakota Kai hands Eosky her belt, and when Charlotte goes for the second spear, she eats the belt in the face. It's sort of a modification of the Goldberg Bret Hart thing, and I don't know if that's something we necessarily want to be bringing up. Um, I don't know. Eo gets the win. It's like she didn't cheat, but somebody else handed her something, and the cheating just happened, so we've kind of got this EO Sky is still sort of a moderate babyface within this heel group. I don't know how to feel about that. The three of them beat down Charlotte and then some unknown jobber came to save Charlotte. I don't care. I don't care how mean that sounds. Bianca Belair's back. She saved Charlotte. She's going to be handed that title in no time flat. Must be nice for a part-timer to go on vacation and come back to a belt. Fuck off. Like, just fuck off. My, I was enjoying the match. Yes, it was kind of a bummer that there was a bullshit ending, but Eosky and Charlotte were having a great match. They had a lot of cool spots in there, a lot of stuff that I haven't seen in a while from Charlotte Flair, which, me being a fan of Charlotte Flair, is, is harder and harder to do. Eosky's title reign just continues to be overshadowed by other stuff, which is kind of unfortunate. And she's going to get robbed of that belt by Bianca Belair, predicting sooner than later. I'm pretty sure that that match is going to happen at Crown Jewel, and it's going to be very sad, because, goddamn, goddamn, if you're, if you're for Bianca Belair coming back after she's been on vacation for I don't know how long, oh, I'm doing a show with my husband, and it's so fucking cute, she's been away while other people on that show have been holding up that division, and she's going to swoop back in and take that title back again, and if you're okay with that, I never want to hear you say another thing about Charlotte ever again. I just don't. Or admit that you're incredibly biased in other ways that are even more dangerous that I'm not going to discuss here. That's what we're going to say about that. Anyways, a bit of a down note on what was a pretty cool week. We've got a lot of stuff to look forward to next week as well. we got Drew and Sammy on Raw. We've got Becky versus Indy for the NXT title, which is going to be a lot of fun. Logan Paul, like I say, is going to be on Raw and 
for reasons I don't know. New Day is taking on the Alpha Academy. That's just going to be fun. Uh, next week on SmackDown, we've got LA Knight and Roman Reigns' contract signing. We've got Santos and Ray taking on the Street Profits. Still, Bobby Lashley not in the ring, but, you know, whatever. I guess he's a giant manager now. Uh, Crown Jewel, so far. And yes, I know that there's politics that comes with it. Please understand that I'm just talking about the show itself. Seth versus Drew, Roman versus LA, the women's five-way on Raw, and Logan Paul versus Rey Mysterio are your first four matches announced for Crown Jewel. And that's pretty good. Other news and notes, apparently the idea is if he's okay to return, Randy Orton will be returning at Survivor Series. And the other little news bit that I read, and I can't remember where, I'm pretty sure it was NoDQ.com, there's a lot of talk around... Judgment Day being in a War Games match and finding ways of including Rhea Ripley in that match that won't, you know, piss off the people that don't like intergender wrestling. Just put her in there. She's She beats up half the dudes anyway, and I'm not saying that is a bad thing. Rhea Ripley's fucking awesome. Rhea Ripley... Okay, Judgment Day is the best thing in WWE. Rhea Ripley's the best thing in Judgment Day, i.e. Rhea Ripley's the best thing in WWE right now. She just is. She's a fucking star. I'm happy to be the guy that said Rhea Ripley fucking star since the Mae Young Classic, since NXT UK, since NXT, since she came to the main roster, since she joined the Judgment Day, since right fucking now. Rhea Ripley's the best. Rhea Ripley's the best. I, I would love her to cross over the line and, like, V-trigger Kenny Omega in the face. Like... <laughs> Kenny Omega eats a riptide. There's your there's your news story for uh, for 2023 to cap off the year. But no, in all seriousness, Rhea Ripley's fucking great. And unsurprisingly, there are rumors that she will defend the women's championship in the main event of Elimination Chamber in Australia because, of course, she fucking better. That's all I got. So let me know what you think about all that. Let me know what you think about everything we've talked about this week. Please do check out my preview for NXT Halloween Havoc, which will be dropping the same day as this, but a couple hours later. Um, what do you think about Crown Jewel so far? The, the actual match, the actual card itself, because we can talk about the politics at another time. But if you're going to come and yell at me about politics, you better not be defending AEW right now. I'm just saying. Papa Spaz is going to put you in your place. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, I am tagging out. Bye, guys.